Welcome to Foster Carolina's podcast, connecting the Carolinas to foster care. I'm your host, Susanna Cavanaugh, also the director of Least of These Carolinas, and um, welcome to Foster Carolina's podcast. It is Foster Care Awareness Month, and I'm so excited about the guests that we have on our podcast today. But before I introduce him and go into further um, information about that, it May is Foster Care Awareness Month. And I don't know if you knew that, but hopefully you guys have been thinking about what you can do for kids in foster care. I can't decide that for you. I can tell you that every person can do something for kids in foster care. One of the things that you could do is uh, on Wednesday, May 19th, you could hop over to Big Red's Cafe in Kings Mountain, right next door to Patriot Jack's, and visit them. Because they have said that they're going to take a portion of whatever you purchase and give it back to us. And we will be there hanging out. I think that's going to be a day for me to work um, at that location. So I'm excited. We'll have a bag of hope that you can look at and answer more questions about Lisa of these Carolinas and how you can get involved. So put that on your calendar, May 19th. The other exciting thing that we have coming up is Bridge Camp. We just announced our dates last week. It's going to be August 6th through the 10th, and it is in Crowder's Mountain, are at the base of Crowder's Mountain at Crowder's Ridge, and we already have our volunteer sign up out there. But you really need to go to our website to get more information. It's lotcarolinas.com. And just in case we have some folks out there that are looking forward to registering their kids for Bridge Camp, that has not gone live yet, but it will go live on Monday, May 17th. Bridge Camp registration for kids goes live. So just keep all that in mind. We're so excited about all the things that God's doing, at least at these Carolinas. I'm so excited to introduce our guest today. He is a foster dad that you may or may not know. I also want to go ahead and say the audio is not the greatest, but I'm hoping that you guys will still listen, know that we are new at this podcast thing, but our next recording should be so much better. But just enjoy our guest today and be encouraged by this foster dad. So um, we're just going to jump right in here. We have Jesse Cole, and you are the owner of the Bananas, right? Savannah and Savannah. It's the baseball team. Yes. Yes. Um, and like a baseball circus, but yes. A baseball circus. Um, and then um, what else do you do during the year? <laughs> uh, very fortunate with the success of Savannah and going from, you know, my wife and I having to sell our house, empty out our savings account, only selling two tickets and sleeping on an airbed, to now selling out every single game at the wait list for tickets in the thousands. I've been fortunate to have the opportunity to write a book and uh, travel around the country speaking. Um, obviously not during COVID, but we're back in at first live talk next week. And uh, um, so, yeah, between running the bananas, which is now a team that's taken the show all over the world. So we're actually playing. We did our one city world tour, hilariously, one city world tour uh, back in March. Uh, and now we're playing all over and now speaking. So, uh, and we are home bases right here in, uh, in, in you know, Gaston County, which has been great to be back here with Emily's family and our family together. That's so cool. Um, and I have some fun facts that were printed out for Mary uh, that you own seven yellow tuxes. Yes, yes. And it's funny, I guess it is ironic that today uh, um, I'm not in the yellow tux. I own seven of them. But I guess because this is about foster care, see, I, the yellow tux is my uniform. It, yeah. My, my biggest uh, mentor, uh, two mentors are Walt Disney and P.T. Barnum. Okay. And so what we do with the band 
band is it's all about the show from break dancing first base coaches male cheerleading teams uh senior citizen dancing it's about the show it's circus so when i wear my yellow tux it means you know i'm on stage it's You're a on show. Stage. and so every time i'm working i'm in the yellow tux but today we're talking about foster care and i'm a, i'm a dad right now so i am in my full dad relaxed gear no yellow tuxedo but yeah i uh, i proposed to emily uh in that yellow tuxedo when we owned the gastonia grizzlies formerly in front of a sold out crowd and thank goodness she said yes that would have been very embarrassing in front of four thousand fans to say no so it has been a bone of my calling cards i wear it all the time and it's uh, it's a lot of fun that's so cool but you're right that's not why we invited you here <laughs> even though i know you speak all over the world and and all of that but the reason we brought you here we brought emily in a couple yes. weeks ago to talk to her about being a foster mom yeah. and what's what what's that like yeah. but um i think people want to hear from a foster dad like <laughs> like how did y'all even get into this it was never on my radar I never even knew much about it. I was aware of it, but never on my radar. And Emily started hearing about the need about two or three years ago and hearing about, uh, you know, why this should be happening and why we should get into it. And she started just sharing a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. And I started realizing it was her dream. And with Emily, I was so fortunate that she let me pursue my dream and, you know, try to put on a show in front of, you know, millions of people and really make people have fun at a, at a baseball game. And she did that for years down in Tybee in Savannah. Mm-hmm. And we knew that, hey, I knew that this is time to let, let's, let's go after this dream. And I was extremely skeptical at first. I was nervous. I was scared going through the classes, learning more. She was sharing these podcasts. And I think I went, I went through a lot of fears, which I'm sure a lot of people do. And now, you know, three, four months after we've brought in our first foster daughter, um, I would say it's probably one of the best things that's ever happened in my life and what i've learned and what i've been able to be a part of what i've been able to see from development and what it's done for our family there's there's nothing that i don't think has made a bigger impact and so i am so fortunate of emily for letting me pursue my dream and so fortunate that she kept sharing her dream over and over and over again uh that really inspired me to say let's do this so um, I'm sure there's some dads out there going, oh, my wife's been doing the same thing. So what would you say to those dads that, are, that their wives keep sharing podcasts and things with them? Uh, well, I, I think you never really know anything until you start, until you try things, until you do things. And I think you can talk and overthink and think. And I say, stop thinking and start doing. And right now, if we were to start doing, if everyone around the country started doing, it'd be amazing what would happen. And so I was skeptical, but, you know, we went down to take over a baseball team that was failing and had to sell our house and empty our savings account and we're sleeping on an airbed. We figured it out and it worked out pretty well. <laughs> and I think sometimes the biggest challenges, the biggest adversities um, lead to the greatest fulfillment, the greatest purpose, and the greatest moments. And for us, um, I, for the dads that are listening, I think, uh, you know, if you question, you know, what is really holding you back? And when I realized it was, it was all selfish. And it was very sad for me to think that, hey, what's holding me back is my thoughts of what that will do to change my life. You know, what that will do to change my son's life. And then I always thought of it in a negative way. And instead of saying, what if this fails? Well, what if it works? And I think anybody who's going to do anything, they change the question. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, well, what if, what if I fail doing this? Well, what if it makes an amazing impact? What if it does? Then what would happen? And if you change that question, so I started changing that question. I said, well, what if... What if this was the best thing that ever happened to our son, Maverick? What if this was the best thing that ever happened to our family? wasn't even talking about what if this was the best thing that happened to the foster you know, daughter or son. And I think when we changed the conversation, it made it a much easier step to say, let's do it. And what's the worst thing that could happen? Yeah. So what were some of those reasons that like, gave you pause and you're like, <sighs> oh, I don't know? Um, I guess the fear of um, a child that was challenged and that really whether um, – you know, had so much abuse 
that it was hard to care for Mm -hmm. and that there would be regression on our young son. You know, we have a three-year-old son um, and that it would just be so tough to handle that we would change who we are and our family would change who we are in a negative way. And I believe you're, you know, you're the average of the five people you surround yourself with. And the skepticism, if we brought someone new into our home that had so much trauma, so much neglect and all that, that it would just wear on us and change the positivity that we want to bring into our home. That was my fear because, you know, and Emily will say, and she probably said, like, like we don't yell in our house. Like, we, we were very fortunate. We were just positive, positive people because we're surrounded by positive people in our mm-hmm. life. And that fear of all of a sudden we have to raise our voice more. We have to change the way we are. That was a fear because I didn't want that to happen. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and we, we have changed, but it hasn't been in that negative way. We have changed in a way of learning. And there's a few lessons that I've learned that have been just transformational for us. And I wouldn't have learned if we didn't go through this. So what are some of those lessons? <laughs> that you got to share with me now. <laughs> so I, I think, uh, you know, what I've learned is a lot of times we try to do things on our own. And we, we, we sought help before we got into this. And we started talking to some more people and talking to people that have gone through this. And um, I'll never forget the conversation uh, we had with a woman who was also uh, a foster parent. And um, I said, you know, I know we got to be empathetic. we got to be empathetic. She's like, no, you don't just need to be empathetic. Go, what do you mean? She goes, you need to look at this daughter, this girl, this whoever you bring into your home. You need to look at her with admiration. Mm-hmm. And I, I, it stopped me in my tracks. And, and she said, what she or he has gone through in their life is more than you'll ever go through. Mm-hmm. So you need to look at them. They survived. They are doing so well. And you need to look at them and say, I admire you. And instead of getting mad and frustrated because they don't know something, they don't understand, they're acting out, look at them. They, they're here after what they went through. And that's changed my approach now in life. Mm-hmm. You know, we're so easy to judge. We're mm-hmm. so easy to look at anyone and say, oh, wow, what's wrong with them? Why are they doing that? Why are they dressed like that? Why do they act like that? But what if you admire them because they are still here. They're still showing up every day, even though what they went through in the trauma. And so when I changed that mindset and, you know, we had one of the most challenging nights, our first night with our, our, our foster daughter who came in with us, um, it, I could have taken it so many different ways. I could have said, you know, this is wrong. Why is she being like this? But I said, I just held her and held her. And Emily took a picture that night as I held her way through the night. And I was hooked. And I was like, I admire you because you're here. And even though you are so scared of the dark, you're scared of your bed, you're scared of your crib, you, you're just screaming because of whatever happened to you the last two and a half years of your life, I admire you. And thank mm-hmm. you for being here. And uh, yeah, it's a moment I'll never forget. And it's changed everything for us. So that first night was rough, but has it gotten better? Oh, jeez. You know, <laughs> I, I give so much credit to Emily. and But yeah, the first night, I mean, she was scared of the bath. Um, you couldn't put her in a crib. You couldn't put her in the dark. Um, just petrified, terrified, mm-hmm. screaming. And our young son came over and she can sit with me. And I'm like watching this. I'm like oh. two and a half year old. Like, oh, my God. And uh, so the next night... Um, you know, she, we finally got her down a little bit that night. The next night, we got her down. The next night, we got her down. The next night, she's running to bed. The first, the second day, she was scared of books, afraid books, wouldn't even look at a book. Now, every night, she, she asks to read books. She oh, runs to her bed. She, you know, she's hugging and affectionate. And she only said two words her first day, yuck and no, for food. <laughs> yuck and no. That's all we heard was yuck and no. I'm like, if this is, this is going to be tough, those aren't two great words we want to hear. And now, full vocabulary, she's doing the ABCs. And she's developing, and uh, she's developed so much 
from our son Maverick, just watching him every day, going to her, and he brings her her baby or stuffed animal every night. Um, you know, in the morning, he runs in and says, she's not, you know, he says her name, and, and runs in and, and greets her and hugs her. And it's, uh, it's been transformational. And I know and I'm aware that it's not that easy, quote-unquote. It was hard in the beginning, but it's not that easy for everyone. But uh, I couldn't have asked for a better uh, introduction into the introduction of this and and I think even if it was much harder I think it's how you look at it and every day you know I, I'm a terrible golfer I don't golf much like I just I'm a terrible golfer but my mindset whenever I play golf is like I just make one decent shot a hole like that's a good hole for me like yeah, that's a good hole and I think the way we look at with with our, our foster daughter is like all right one new great moment today one new special moment one new development and you know she's going to be three soon and just that's a great age for development and we can find it we can see it we can celebrate that and every night Emily and I do our rose rose and buds and a rose is something great from the day and a bud is something you're looking forward to it's how we keep gratitude in our life and I'll tell you almost every night it used to be all about the teams and I mean almost every night our roses are you know with our daughter or our son and our bud is something we're looking forward to within the next day that's so pretty cool, cool. Yeah. and how have you seen it positively or negatively but impact your son what have you seen <laughs> in him uh, I don't know where to start and you know I guess it goes you know you try to think about the stories and you know, we both, they both go to uh, school, we call it school, but it's daycare every morning. And I think that was a big transformational moment too for us as well, because, you know, you think you have to do it all yourself. And we realized that like, you know, Emily's, you know, she's got jobs and things she's doing. I've got things I'm doing and, you know, give them the love in the morning and then let them develop around kids. And I think a lot of people think like, I, I thought, like, as a foster parent, like, we had to be there. Like, it's almost like giving up a little bit. Oh, we're putting them in like daycare when like, mm-hmm. you know, but it was a great move that we did. And, you know, watching Maverick and her, you know, uh, they get in, they, they go to school together and they go and drive together and just watching how he, he actually like helps her like, um, no, and he says her name. He said, you need to listen here. And, uh, you know, he, he tries to like, this, this is what mommy and daddy said. No, mommy and daddy said no TV right now, but we can play. Do you want to go play? And he would ask her. And then he, then he says in the back seat, he goes, do you want to do you want to listen to Baby Shark? And then he would go, and then she would go, yes. And he'd go, he'd go, mommy, can we please play Baby Shark? And so uh, it's been so funny. He he's almost become a big brother, and he's only two months, three months older. But he's been, the development is dramatically different. Yeah, obviously. obviously, you know, the development is, is about a year and a half. But he's become this big brother. That's I've seen this caring trait. When she cries, he gets quiverlet mm-hmm. because he cares so much. Doesn't want her hurting, and. Uh, so it's built this empathy uh, that's just unbelievable to watch. And like I said, he wouldn't be where he is right now if she didn't come into our life. Mm-hmm. And so the fear that I had of this is going to disrupt him, he's going to regress, he's going to go like that, blown away. It went the opposite way. He grew up more mm-hmm. to take care of her because of that. And so that's where if like dad asked me, he's like, just give it a shot. You'd be amazed. You'd be, you'd be amazed. Kids are so resilient. Oh, um, and that's so cool that your kid's like – Showing you, like, yeah, yeah, I, I can do this, Dad. Oh, it's, you know, it's, it's funny, and she, and she helped him. We had her going to uh, swim lessons. There's a great, there's a group in Charlotte that's free swim lessons for, for foster uh, kids, and uh, she started swim lessons, and she started doing it. He was scared because, you know, he's terrified of things at the beginning first, and then she started doing it, and he's like, all right, I can do this, I can do this, and then he started doing it, and now they teach each other, like, in the baths, like, like they say, you know, head back, head back like this, hands like this, and they're, like, teaching each other how to swim, and I'm like, this is unbelievable, and it's, if you can just take a second and think about that, it's, like, it's fun to watch, it really is. 
That is so cool. Um, well, I mean, that's really why we had you on here to talk about you being a, a foster dad and what that's like. And what, what have you seen in Emily, your wife? Like, what have you fallen more in love with her because of, of how she's no with opposite? No, I'm not. No, I'm just, <laughs> we're done. No, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, you know, this has been a, obviously a positive talk in a sense, but yeah, um, you when you see people in different ways, and you know, it's interesting, me and and our foster daughter, um, we're, we're very close. You know, uh, I don't know how much dad figures she's had in her life. I, I don't think much. And we're very close. And with Emily, it's not it's the same type of, you know, affection. And that doesn't face her at all. A- Emily just says, you know, I'm going to be the one that's going to help, coach, teach, you know, do everything I can to help her develop. And I've seen her as a... Um, it's weird, but I, I, I do think about things in business sense a lot. I learn a lot from family and put it into business and business and put it into family. And the leadership. You know, I don't think in families you talk as much about leadership. You talk about parenting, you talk mm-hmm. about mother, you talk about dad. The leader I've seen that Emily has become of the household, of her, of it's, it's unbelievable. And I, I watch it and I'm like, I'll just stay here. Like, I, I, I'm not going to jump in. Like, you are just leading everything. You're taking charge of everything. You, you're thinking about everything. And again, it's, it's parenting. But there's some different variables. Mm-hmm. And as we know, there's so many moving pieces. And I, you know, for the dads that are watching and listening, um, scheduling the visits, scheduling the therapy, scheduling all these things, it's, it's, it's cumbersome. And there's communication breakdowns left and right. Mm-hmm. It's hard. It Every is. day is hard in that sense. And I've never seen Emily complain about it. And I watch it, and she's like, well, I just drove to another visit. The mother didn't show up again. And I had to tell our daughter, our foster daughter, that, again, she's not showing up. And just seeing her get crying and upset, and I know how much it tears Emily apart. But mm-hmm. she stays strong. She doesn't show it. She says, we're going to go to this. We're going to go to the park. We're going to do this. It's, um, it's yeah, I, I, I fall in love with Emily more every day because of this without being cheesy. And so I know Emily will probably watch this, but uh, it's obvious um, just watching how she leads and takes charge and just does things that I think most people would say, I have a right to complain over this. She's not going to do it. She's not going to let that bring her down. No, I've noticed that about her yeah. as well. And there's, I mean, there's just, the system's broken. There's so much to complain about. <laughs> but you can either complain about it or you can just get in and do it and, and help where you yeah. can. And I see that that's what Emily and that's what you guys have done. And it's been great because really that's what the kids need. They they yeah. don't need you to argue about whose fault it is or who yeah. did this or didn't do that. They just need you to love them and yes, make all the appointments, show up, and and go to court, do all of those things. Just keep showing up. Just keep showing up. As I say, going back to the Finding Nemo days, just keep swimming. Just keep swimming. Just keep swimming. That's kind of a mindset. And you know, it's interesting. Where Emily will tell you what what really hooked me. It's crazy. Is, is is we went to a, a a foster class learning about it. This was before COVID, and uh, we had our date that. So we still have date nights every week. That's very important in all this. I want to say this. It is extremely important to have date nights to have a connection one on one. We invest in babysitters. We invest in everything we need to do. So we had a date night after the foster class. And she said, Jesse, you know there's 500,000 kids in the U.S. who don't have a home right now? And she goes, that needs to end. We need to eliminate that. We need to make. And I was like, I'm in. I'm in. She hit me. She connected me because I always want to feel like I can have a bigger purpose. And I think that bigger purpose of, you know, really making this large impact. But then we have that same impact or goal with our team. You know, we want to impact millions of people. But what we say every day at our ballpark, every day with our staff, every game is someone's first game. 
Mm-hmm. Every day is someone's first interaction with us. How do we make them feel? And when you break down that big, big, scary number, they say it starts with one. It starts with one. And this young, this amazing, amazing girl that came to live with us, that's the one that we have right now. Mm-hmm. And if we can share that story, connect, and te- you know, make a big impact there, that will spread. And so that's the same thing you start with, just that one. And I'm going to be excited to see what happens in five, ten years on this journey because Emily is ambitious in this dream just like I'm ambitious in our big dream with the bananas. And I think it's going to come together and it's going to be an impact larger than a uh, – I'm just very excited for it. I'm excited, too. This is really great when folks like you get involved. And I feel like everyday people are now starting to foster and starting to see the need. And um, just your influence at, at those ball games. And if people know that you're foster parents, just the more y'all share that, it's going to make such a huge impact. Yeah, I appreciate it. It's interesting. It's like, you know, when I share things about the team, you get a good response. And then I share our foster journey and show some pictures. It's always like 1,000 comments, likes. I'm like, all right, this is hitting. This is connecting with people. And because it, it's, it's the everyday thing. It's like people realize, you know what? I could do that. I have an empty room. I have an opportunity to like I could do that. And then fear gets in the way because of all those negative things. Mm -hmm. And that's with everything. And the more that people share that, hey, these are the tough things. You know, we have to share the tough things. But it's not even close to outweighed by the great things. Absolutely. And I think that's what so I I think I have a goal. I I have to do that. I think Emily's doing it like unbelievably. I think the more we continue to do that and the more people see that, it's okay to share this. It's okay to not just talk about, you know, the regular things you'll talk about the challenges, talk about the good things, and just keep sharing this foster journey. And people are like, they're doing it, I can do it. Yeah. That's I feel like if I can talk you out of being a foster parent, you probably shouldn't be one. But yes. I'm, I always share, like, the good, bad, and the ugly. Because yeah. you, you have to know that going in and be ready for it. 100%. So. Well, thank you for coming on yeah, the podcast. We appreciate it. We don't talk to foster dads very much. I got to be in full dad mode, so this was good. This I got is to be perfect. In dad mode. Thank you for joining us for Foster Carolinas. And now, guys, come on. Everybody can do something for kids in foster care. What is your something?